BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, a sports bar we just love. If you listen to this podcast, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans just makes the experience better. Look, obviously, watching a Warriors game on your own is fine. I've done it for years. But watching the game in a place that lets me scream and cheer and just generally lose my shit with other dub fans is so much more fun. COVID stole that opportunity for a while, but the ACO has given it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge TVs, and their full complement of great food and drinks. It's big, it's comfortable, it's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes during this incredible Warrior season, the NFL playoffs, or any other sport with fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food, I love their space, I love their TVs. I even love that it's family-friendly. I can go there with friends and get way too passionate, or I can go with just my wife and kid and enjoy brunch while catching a game. The Athletic Club is now my go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and I hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the four-time world championship Warriors huddle. Let's go. And with me with usual, my boring producer, Marcus. What's up, Dub Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Boys, how we feeling this morning? Let's go, four-time champions. Yeah, Warriors in game in five-ish. In five-ish. We got to be careful because if we open up with how many games this took, then Maxime's going to get to do his victory lap, which is the only fucking thing I'm not looking forward to. Like, I couldn't be more fired up, dude. My team just won a world championship. We are celebrating on the top of the world. So let's not begin this by giving Maxime props. Instead, bring me behind the scenes, boys. Uh, Looking only at last night, where did you watch? When did you actually allow yourself to celebrate? And then how did you celebrate? Give us a uh, give us an update. Nice. I go first. So my brother came in from out of town. He's from the Bay Area, Oakland, like me, and but lives in New York now. Um, he happened to be in town, so he brought his two kids and wife over. Um, I have a little baby, and she's not allowed to watch TV yet. And we this is the first time we let her watch TV, and it was this game, and she was just 
fascinated by it. She just kept into it and saying, back a ball, back a ball. <laughs> so it was amazing. We watched it with them. Um, a little muted at times because the little kids don't care about it, but um, it was a great way to celebrate. And, you know, some of those big threes that were going in, we were just having a ball. And it was it was amazing to have that feeling and then celebrate it with, with my brother. <laughs> In uh, related news, you're a much better father than I am. I think Kylie's been watching TV since she was a sperm. I mean, it is what it is. You know, I mean, that, that, we don't have to jump down that rabbit hole. Uh, where did I watch? I'm still on fucking COVID quarantine. Um, so I watched it at the house. It was only the family and I. When did I allow myself to celebrate? I thought that I might jinx it after the clock hit zero, 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 zero. I mean, like literally, even as Steph was celebrating and Erica was in tears as Steph was celebrating, I'm screaming at her, don't jinx this. It's not over. So, you know, it was it was a little bit crazy. And then how did I celebrate? I literally ran around my kitchen with my daughter. And up until the moment that we were running around, I don't think she necessarily cared. In fact, I think she was super annoyed that I had taken her away from her own show. But then by the time I had her on my shoulders and we're like running around like crazy people, I think she did, in fact, enjoy it. I, I wish I had saved her first television experience for that. But like I said, we're about seven years too late for that. How about you, Maxime? How big did you go? <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like Marcus and I had like mirror lives because I was hanging out with my family down in Southern California uh, celebrating my wife's dad's 70th birthday. So it was a nice family gathering, but also we got a few little kids. One of them was already in bed. The other one went to bed at the end of the third. It was like his first basketball game. He was asking all kinds of questions that I didn't have the capacity to answer because I was freaking out myself. Um, it was generally – but there is this thing. is like then they went to bed and we didn't want to wake them up. So I was like – whispering like yes fuck yes let's go let's go and i feel like there was like an intensity to that right that like made it almost more exciting and maybe that's just me trying to justify the fact that i wasn't allowed to yell for the first time in this entire playoff run i don't want to admit this and i thought i'd at least get out of the first five minutes before i did but so you know the game's getting ready to start i hate that if any of you don't have kids and you're planning on having them the key to getting your kid involved in something that you're doing is basically lie to them so i was telling her you know like look the the warriors are the most entertaining thing on earth they're about to be world champions let's watch this game together so i've i've brought my daughter in the first five minutes start unfolding and as we all know that beginning was the only part that wasn't enjoyable boston jumps out to a 10 point lead and it went from this scenario where I'm calmly explaining like, yes, sweetie, they are wearing green or that is Steph Curry <laughs> to about five minutes in. She asked me some follow up about, you know, who Clay Thompson was. And I go, I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I, I can't answer your questions right now. So it wasn't, it wasn't positive the whole way through. But like I said, we ran around in circles celebrating towards the end. So huge things, boys. Let's jump in here. Let's get to our glass half full. I've had a chance to look at our golden questions, so I know they're going to let us uh, celebrate the title experience as a whole. So for this glass half full, be a little bit specific for me. Look only at game six and give me something that you liked out of game six. You can give me something you don't, but that'll make me kind of angry. So hopefully avoid that something you like from game six. What do you got? I liked that Wiggins put the clamp down so hard on Jason Tatum that the dude felt like he went back to the crib. I, you know, he's like, uh, 
He put like he put the sun in Jason. You know what I mean? He just completely <laughs> owned him the whole time. <laughs> Did you work on that line before we hit hit record here? Was that something oh, like you course, had on your sheet? Or... Yeah, I'm not that. I I'm mean, not it that made me feel awkward. I don't mind telling you, it made me feel awkward. <laughs> I like, I, I'm you. sweat anyways, and then as you completed <laughs> that, it definitely made me sweat. I almost felt bad for Tatum. I mean, we yeah. made a joke last time that Tatum complained after every single thing that happened. Do you know when that stopped? With about four minutes left in the championship deciding game, when he was just too busy shitting the bed to complain to anybody. <laughs> so that was definitely about us. Uh, my favorite moments. I got a couple of them. So the first one that springs out was that jump shot that Draymond hit in the second half when things were getting tight as fuck and Boston's crowd was finally coming back. And he stared in an arena that's filled with, from what I could tell, 19,596 assholes and hit a jump shot right in their face to basically shut them the fuck up and solidify a title. So, you know, that's the, the main thing I enjoyed. The secondary thing I enjoyed, and I, I already kind of mentioned this, but was watching Steph's reaction. Watching that genuine overcoming of emotion settle in on him. And we've, we've watched Steph go through a lot of things. You know, he's almost a family member at this point. And I can't remember ever watching him that overcome with emotion. We watched him win MVPs. We watched him win titles. We watched him set records of all types, of all kinds, in all places. And that was the first time I saw the moment finally overcome him. So that, that's the one that stuck out for me. MT? Yeah. Um, just piggybacking on that quickly. It was, it was really cool and amazing to see Andre Iguodala, Steve Kerr, and everybody talk about how they wanted to win the championship for Steph. Like saying they were tired of hearing people slander his legacy and try to, you know, say that he didn't earn what he earned. And the fact that they all were chanting MVP genuinely and sincerely yeah. when he got it was just a cool moment. Like you can tell that he's genuinely liked by his teammates and that they feel like they go to battle for him. So I agree with that. My, my favorite moment um, of all of game six was uh, when Steph hit that um, three-pointer to put us up by a 22 um, and then turned to the crowd and pointed to his, his ring finger and said, give me my fucking ring. Um, he, he did that in the third quarter. You know, like the fact that takes some balls to do that <laughs> in the finals, you know, in the third quarter, like, you know, we've blown leads before, but he turned around and said it. And he, you know, like at that point, I was like, I guess we're winning this. If he knows we're winning it that much, like it was just such a interesting moment where he was like, no, this is happening. And you guys are just here for the show. When that happened, so he hits that three, and I start sprinting around the house again. And this is a uh, a quick reveal on my wife's uh, conception of what my like, ability to just walk is. As I started to run out of the room, she said, "Don't hurt yourself." That's literally what she said. As I started to run, and to her defense, to be fair, I literally broke my foot during a Warriors championship celebration running around the house after a Steph made three. So it is what it is. Um, God, what an incredible night. Just what an incredible night. And to piggyback on what you said, MT. So obviously basketball is a team sport, but these guys are individual competitors too. We know how much individualized success must mean to them. Each one of these guys, I would imagine, throughout their entire lives growing up, imagined a specific moment winning the title. And then when that happened, you know, when they were in the backyard counting down from three to zero in their imaginary title celebration, I'm sure individually they all saw themselves as the finals MVP. Well, what happened last night? Everyone was rooting for one thing to happen for Steph to get that. Nobody, nobody else wanted the individual 
uh, accomplishment. They all wanted it to go to Curry, which shows where the hell this team is. You know, I, I heard a story that in the championship locker room, one of the things they chanted was fuck you, Draymond, you know, because that's what they heard from the Boston crowd. Just another thing that 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 they wanted to celebrate the title, but they also wanted to celebrate each other is not something we should take for granted. And it's not something that's usual. You know, I'm sure that there are title celebrations from the past where people were more happy about their own personal accomplishments than what the team did. It's just it's just another reason to love this franchise, man. Yeah, and I, side note of a savage Aisha Curry tweet when she tweeted out after um, on the menu, uh, SF Hot Pot with a side of Curry Goat. And I was just like, oh, that was beautiful tweet. So I love that the pettiness and the getting back at them is even extending over to Aisha as well. The only thing I did, so I, I also saw that tweet and I also liked it and it shows that she's aware of it. And it fits into the entire tour that the Warriors locker room did of keeping receipts and then coming back out and letting them know that, you know, F you, we were paying attention. But I was a little bit annoyed that that whole Boston storyline of the Aisha Curry can't cook. Who gives a shit what some Boston bar said on their sign outside of uh, outside of their restaurant? I don't know. That, that entire thing kind of annoyed me and I didn't like that they got elevated at the end too. I would prefer if we had not given them one ounce of attention if that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, the flip side is also true, right? We we saw in the Jordan documentary that some of these elite players search for things to get them riled up to win in the games. And like, what are you doing? Like, Steph already went absolutely nuclear on you once, and then you're giving him the worst kind of ammunition. Well, in our case, the best kind of ammunition to make him go out and do it again. It's just like dumb. Like, stop poking the bear. <laughs> Let's jump into our golden questions because I really want to stretch out here and enjoy the experience overall. And here's the first, and I think it's a great way to get into this quote. After six finals runs, four titles, one million regular season storyline wins and shutting Boston and every other stupid ass fan base the fuck up. Do you believe the Warriors under Lacob are the best franchise you have ever rooted for? I'll take this one first. I got a pretty easy answer. Fuck yes, I do. Of course I do. There's absolutely no question. So for me, look, low bar. I've got Cal in my life, the Raiders until they left me. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of real successful franchises. But even if I did, if I had spent my life rooting for blue chip after blue chip, I don't think there's any question that this is the best franchise I've had the luck of having run through my life. And it's not just the titles, man. Look at what Lacob has done. I mean, four titles in and of itself, that's enough. Building a brand new arena on his own dime, that's enough. Making a doorstep franchise into the model franchise of the league is an unbelievable, just an unbelievable accomplishment. I, I was at Oracle when Lacob took the mic, pointed up at the banners and said, we need a lot more of those. And if he had taken that mic and said, you know who we're going to sign at Power Forward? Bigfoot. I would have believed that more than, than you know, if you would uh, flash forward to the future and told me we we're going to go to six fucking finals and win four of them. So is this the best franchise I've ever rooted for? Hell yes, I think that, that they are. And I don't, if you introduce this franchise to anyone's life, I think the answer to that would be yes. Am I being hyperbolic? Where are you guys on this? No, man, you take it one step further. You saw Steve Kerr pulling Bob Myers in in the postgame and saying, hey, Bob Myers deserves his flowers too. And what that's saying is this ain't over yet. You know, we're talking about he, Bob Myers has asked the question about, you know, how are we going to retain all of this talent? And he basically said, look, Lacob has 
the sort of the blank check for me to figure out how to sign it with whatever cap flexibility we have. It just goes to show you that he's right. He's about the right things. And if Lakeup is going to continue to support a franchise that, you know, already has the highest tax uh, bill by a factor of like four or something in the league. I mean, you, this is a, this is a franchise that you're going to continue to want to root for that isn't going to shoot themselves in the foot. Like for example, Tillman Fertitta with the Houston Rockets, he's actually going to continue to make sure that we have sustained success. What more could you ask for? That's exactly right. And I'll turn it to you, MT. But first, I want to put a, uh, an exclamation point on something. And let me also admit that I'm stealing this. So I listen to a bunch of NBA podcasts. One of them features this guy, Big Waz, is an NBA ringer personality. And they ran by him the concept that uh, what Windhorse was talking about, that, you know, it's a contract win, that the Warriors are outspending everybody else. And what Big Waz pointed out and what really resonated with me, and I think fits out perfectly here, is look at what the various roles are within an organization, right? The players go out there and win it on the floor. The fans bring the passion. The front office builds the team. Well, what does that leave for the owner? What's their responsibility? Well, it's one thing. Spend fucking money. That's it. That's their lone role. And if what Windhorse is saying is our team has spent more money than everybody else, what Windhorse is saying is, our ownership has done a better job than any other ownership. They all have checkbooks. They can all do whatever the hell they want. They're all playing under the exact same goddamn rules. So if we're throw, you know, we're we're lauding Lakeup with bullet points about why he's or the Lakeup ownership with bullet points about why they are uh, creating a franchise that's better than anybody else. Well, let's go ahead and tag Brian Windhorse and use his quote. What he is saying is, of course, we're the best franchise, and one of the reasons is that we'll outspend you in addition to outplanning you and outplaying you and just doing everything better than you. Back to you, MT. What do you think? Best franchise we've ever had? Yeah, definitely the best franchise. Um, and I think it's to your point because of where we started from, the fact that we were that doorstep, the fact that we had so many losing seasons, um, that at the beginning of this, you know, the ownership group was booed almost out of the stadium for trading away fan favorites, Monte Ellis, and bringing back somebody, you know, who was a tall Australian dude with a broken elbow. Um, so I, I think it's it's easy to to mark this as the, the franchise that's most fun and easy and impactful to root for because you see yourself in it. Like, the, the best player is our size, you know, and, like, he's out there battling like we would. You know, if we had that same talent, you can see yourself in it. You don't have to imagine yourself also as six, seven and 220 pounds of muscle. This is just Steph. So um, it's amazing. And to your point also about spending, when we looked it up, um, the, Joe Lakeup is the 25th um, most, um, you know, like uh, valuable or has the most wealth of all the owners. So um, technically there's 24 other owners who, could have been outspending us. And to your point, you know, Joe Lakeup is putting his money behind, you know, his mouth where he's saying, I'm willing to do my part. Do you know where this team used to be? I mean, so I'm talking to the people who may have just joined this over the last 10 years. You know, look back way further than that. Drop this a couple of decades. And I used to go for, uh, sit basically in the front row for $10 
because nobody went. And then at the end, the only time that Warrior fans necessarily cheered is when they scored 100 and we got a free Chalupa. And I can remember, I used to get a free Chalupa, like they'd, they'd hand out these slips that you'd have to bring over to Taco Bell. I can remember getting a free slip, then sneaking back in through the exit to go and try to get a second free one. And the person who was handing them out said, look, you don't have to hide. There's like 20 people here. I'll give you all this entire stack. Like, don't worry about it. We are now to the point where they've gone to the finals six times in eight years. They've won four titles. You know, is, is this a model franchise? Is this the height of my sports rooting experience? Of course it is. Of course it is. You know, there, there's, I don't think there's any other question, which leads to this next uh, golden write-in quote. Taken all together, this title run was more satisfying than even the best sports movies. Looking back, what was your favorite part? Maxime, why don't you take this one first? Uh, let's take it away from just what happened last night because obviously so many favorite parts are, are watching it all go down. But honestly, I think my favorite part is seeing the emergence of a 16-game team right before our very eyes. Now we go from a, a play a, – a, a, sorry, a, um, a franchise that doesn't make a playoffs in two seasons in a row – with a bunch of players that, you know, are kind of looking out for themselves and, you know, Kelly Oubre sort of being the prime example to not just seeing Wiggins step up, not just seeing Looney step up, not just seeing Gary Payton come back from an injury no. to actually play meaningful minutes in the finals. But on top of it all, seeing a Clay Thompson who, you know, is still not 100% show up for his teammates in a way that is just vintage Clay Thompson. To see Draymond come back and say, like, I don't care that everybody's saying, fuck you, Draymond. I don't care that I had a bad game, got fouled out, you know, had just an absolute miserable performance, comes back in with a vintage Draymond Green, hits two threes in the final game. Are you fucking kidding me? I think every time that Draymond scores a three, we win the game. That's just like an insane stat. Um, it just across the board, I think we've turned ourselves, like I said, from 16, uh, from a collection of 16 game players to a 16 game team. And that was just so beautiful to witness in real time. Couldn't agree more. All I could say in response to that is holy cannoli, which by the way, I think is my new favorite <laughs> phrase. I've been trying to drop it like multiple times throughout the day to people also who have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. I used that during a work call today to someone who's not a Warriors fan, said holy cannoli, then paused for long enough to realize, oh, you're not a Warriors fan. That was just weird for you. But uh, I digress. What's my favorite part about this? Vindication and redemption. So look, man, this Warriors team had a ton of success. Despite that success, going into this year, even their biggest stars had these huge questions. All this national criticism that was thrown their way. And they not only didn't veer away from that, they veered into it. They went up the chimney and they answered every single one of those goddamn questions. Uh, people uh, put Steph's ability to succeed in the finals as some overarching question about his credentials. Well, he now has a unanimous finals MVP. People told us that Clay would never be right after not one but two career-threatening injuries. He was a huge difference maker on both ends of the floor during a title run. They told us that Wiggins was a perennial, uh, perennial underachiever who could neither rebound nor defend. He not only showed up in the playoffs, he used his rebounding and his defense to catapult himself into an entirely different stratosphere within the NBA. They told us that Bob Myers was wasting Steph's title window because he couldn't decide between going for an actual title now or developing the future. Well, the Warriors are the fucking defending champs and probably have the brightest core in the league because of what Myers did. They told us that JP was a wasted pick. He's a rising star. Uh, people spent 12 years telling us that JP2 couldn't contribute. 
He now is a just cemented, necessary, absolute, crucial member of a title team. Shit, boys, even the fans got vindicated. They move from Oracle. Everybody, including us, everybody says, what's going to happen? You know, did they lose the magic? Can we still provide the kind of support that we watched the Warriors get as they went through their first five titles runs? Well, newsflash, they lost one fucking game throughout the entire playoffs. One game. So every question that was put out there about the front office, about the players, about the fans, about everything, they calmly faced all of them and then told everybody to fuck themselves because they had no idea what they were talking about. And now they get to watch us move right back up the mountain and stay there for a while. Vindication and redemption, boys. And I am here for it. What I liked most was just the the, the strength in numbers. So the people, like you said, like Looney having a 22 rebound game, um, Gary Payton Jr. or Gary Payton II, um, you know, dunking on... Um, on Desmond Bain, um, you know, like those kind of moments to me or Otto Porter having that four for four, you know, three point stretch run that helped us, you know, keep it close. I think it was Memphis in that series. There are these moments where we didn't have to rely on just um, Steph and Clay in order to score. And they were crucial. Like they're, they were stemming tides or they were keeping us within striking distance or they were extending the lead back to double figures, whatever the case may be at the time. But those were all critical moments that show strength in numbers is really um, a powerful way for us and successful way for us to have done this. Because when you hone in on Steph and Clay, we sh- they've shown that if you take that away and that you do like a boxing one like Toronto did, you know, like we're, we're in trouble. But when those other guys step up and they hit, you know, their shots, then you have to go back to normal defense and that's when we win. So. I loved it. I loved it. Vindication is amazing. And I would add one more list name to that list. And that's Steve Kerr. I think he, um, you know, cemented himself as one of the top 10, if not maybe seven or five coaches um, to ever do this. And not because he of the players that he has, but when you go through that low and you have the worst record in the league two years ago, and you're still able to keep the locker room and keep the culture and you add back in these players and, you know, your assistant coaches are cycling in and out. They're taking jobs and they're the head coaches of new franchises, you know, in the middle of your run. Like all these different things are going on. He's taking out Draymond Green in the middle of key moments of the game. And like mm-hmm. those are all big moves that I think deserve recognition and appreciation that he's never been the best X's and O's guys, except for um, after a timeout plays. But the way he manages and keeps the culture of the team alive and thriving to me is um, just an undeniable skill that makes him one of the better coaches we've seen. Well, and how he's handled this. So broaden this. Go beyond this year. Go a couple years back when the Warriors were losing and Kerr specifically was getting torched for not constantly running the pick and roll with Steph and Wiseman or whoever else they wanted to. And he never answered it at all, but we saw why now. He wanted to main, he wanted to make sure that that roster, even when they were losing games, understood how this offense works. Fast forward to this year, and people like Jordan Poole and everyone else who grew up during those two years knew exactly how to win. So he was proven right, and proven right in the most public setting possible. And then afterwards, when they finally come to him, 
when he is up on the podium, when this is his moment to grab a microphone and point at all of his haters and let them know, fuck you guys. You guys didn't know what I, what I was doing. I did. I was right this whole time. What did he say? He said, go find Steph Curry. Said, I, the only reason I'm doing any of this is because I got to babysit superstars. He immediately deflected the success. He did not need in any way to, to vindicate himself because he knew his actions did it. I would not be capable of that, boys. I would have had a list of individual people. Uh, John from Oakland, fuck yourself for not believing in me. And it would have been alphabetical. We would have gone through each and every one of them. That press conference would have been four days long, but not Kurt. You know, not Kerr. Although the one thing he did say, and it was a throwaway, it was just a joking uh, scenario, but there is footage of he and Draymond talking on the floor before they gave out the title. And you can't hear the beginning of it, but he must have used a number because Draymond and he are both talking about four. And I had imagined Dray said, look, it's my fourth title. Well, in, in a way that only Kerr could do, he jokingly says, that's great. I have nine, which is true because he's got five as a fucking player. You know, so yes, of course, Kerr joins that. Um, and I think that's a, a phenomenal addition. Here's the next question, and I'm excited for it. Quote, the Warriors have collected a large group of filthy haters over the years. Let me stop for a minute. Filthy haters. Just what a great, just a great phrase. Picking it back up. Who do you think this title bothers the most? So, Maxine, why don't you take this one first? Of the people out there who is secretly just crazy mad that uh, the Warriors are back at top of the mountain? So many people. I'm Mark Jackson. <laughs> uh, I'm just like, that dude is not having a great time right now. Uh, the entire Memphis fan base. Uh, Kendrick Perkins, not looking too great. Nick Wright, I mean, get out of here. Uh, also, um, Nick Friedel. Right, who was like, oh, I know, I'll, I'm going to change beats and go to Brooklyn because that's going to be a better. Oh no, nope, they got swept out of the first round. Yikes! Kevin Durant probably not having a great time right now. I think even Kelly Oubre is kind of kicking himself. I feel bad. For, Kent Bazemore shouldn't be catching strays, but poor Kent Bazemore, man. Like that dude just wanted to be around a good time and pick the Lakers. That was the wrong call. So I mean, the list could go on. I don't want need to have a four day long podcast here, but I got some receipts too. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say. Ken Bazemore is my number one guy. I don't know what you mean. I don't feel bad about Ken Bazemore. The fool, they offered him more money to be here and win a championship, and he yep. decided to play with LeBron. So I don't feel bad for him at all. I hope he's hell of angry somewhere. I hope he's very sad. I hope he's like that meme where Wolverine's touching a picture. I hope that he's doing that, but he's touching a picture of, like, the entire roster. Just every single one of them. Yeah, man, I think all the haters. I think Chris Paul is devastated i think kendrick perkins is taking this hard i think nick wright is looking his career in its eye i think that skip bayless is an asshole and is also upset i think all of them now how how can you go out on a limb the way that they did how can all of them and this is what they do for a living all these talking heads the reason why they're on television is because so uh, supposedly they know something about basketball that we don't and we need to listen to them in order to learn. Well, here's what they know. Nothing. They don't know shit. And now we know that for certain. So, yes, to all the haters, eat a dick. And that includes you, Kent Bazemore. Too bad, buddy. You should have taken our invitation. You could have been right here. You are not. You're no longer invited. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I would say I think. Uh, Jason Tatum and John Morant are young enough that they're not upset. Ooh. They just feel like their time is coming, but um, you know yeah. they're probably in their feelings a little bit. I think the two most upset people are three are Chris Paul. I think you nailed it with that. Kevin Durant. I think you nailed it with that, Maxine. And then I'm going to add Nate Silver. 
So the 538 blog has just been terrible at predicting. They oh. gave us like a 2% chance to win it in the beginning, 20% once we're in the finals, like all these horrible things. And we we never even needed a game seven to to make this run. So, um, you know, like his 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 statistical analysis and his his model, I think, needs a redo because it's it's terrible. Is it too late to make sure? So, I mean, we've talked about Kevin Durant and his jersey going up in the rafters and whether or not there'll be a statue of him, all of that. Is it too late to give everything we were going to give to Durant to Wiggins? I mean, can it just be his uh, statue that's out in front? And in fact, can it be a statue of Wiggins succeeding with Kevin Durant watching from a sideline? I mean, it'd be a really big statue, but I think I mean, that's, I don't know. You know, I'm, I, I haven't commissioned many statues in my life, but that's the one I'm suggesting for this title. I mean, look, hey, okay, 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 okay. We're up, we're up, we're having a great time, but like, come on, we gotta be. Kevin Durant was an absolute legend for us. I don't want to. I'm not here for Kevin Durant slander. I'm sure he's not having a good time. We don't need to kick him while he's down. That dude was absolutely pivotal, pivotal for two title runs. He deserves a statue. I want Kevin Durant come back. I'm trying to have more meditation sessions with him. So let's cool it on the Kevin Durant slander. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. What I'd like to see is footage of Kevin Durant watching every moment of that final silently crying into his pillow. So, I mean, I don't know if that's the kind of Kevin Durant content that you're looking for, but that's where you and I can agree. Let's move on to another question. Boys, uh, Maxime, keep the mic. Why don't you take this one first? Whose legacy does this impact the most for people not named Steph Curry? Oof. It, it is a tricky Kevin question. Durant? Yeah, I definitely can. Well, actually, you know what? Honestly, I hadn't thought of that. That might be the answer. My goodness, I'm gonna need to. I'm gonna need to take a minute and process that because I do think there's some pretty legacy impacting impl- implications for a man that was swept out of the first round after deciding oh, as a brilliant basketball mind to go pair up with Kyrie Irving instead of staying with the greatest. Uh, teammate and superstar and Steph Curry. So ooh, that might be the answer. But I also want to give an honorable mention to in terms of uh, um, start from the bottom. Now we hear Gary Payton at the beginning of this year was pleading with the Warriors organization for a spot in the video room. Not even the he'd already been cut from the team and just said, listen, fam, I just want to be around this organization. Let me hang out here. Then he goes, he cements himself as a guy that should be on the roster before the season starts. He, he's so locked down throughout the season, drops a couple of big threes, enough to say, okay, you deserve to be in the rotation. He makes it to the playoffs and gets absolutely wrecked by Dylan Brooks to the point that he has a fractured elbow. We make it to the finals. He comes back and proceeds to play lockdown defense. I mean, dude was an absolute legend. So in terms of what it takes to go from nothing to beyond something, I think Gary Payton's legacy deserves an honorable mention here. Look at his transition off the floor. This season starts, you've already mentioned this. It wasn't just the Warriors. It's the people on this podcast. Most of us were saying, keep Avery Bradley. And he had nothing to say. It was what it was. Then he, he makes us. the roster. Most of us. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Maxine. I told you we're not. <laughs> not doing a Maxine victory lap here. Then after he makes the roster, the first transition for him was the nickname. Right. And people came out with the mitten. Fine. He had a nickname. It was what it was. The next transition is he felt comfortable enough to come out and say, well, I don't like that. I prefer young glove. And he mm. earns it. Fast forward. Fast forward to last night when he's on the podium accepting a world championship. And what he said was he, put, he took a shot at his far more famous father. He said, I won a title the first time I got here and I won it earlier in my career. If, if you know, you know where I'm at, if you want to give me a call. And obviously it was tongue in cheek. But that transformation from an afterthought 
to a guy who has a legacy, but really it's defined by his father, to now someone whose own legacy he thinks surplants his dad's? Let's go, man. It's just that this team is chock full of movie storylines. You could mm. you could literally, you could pull out and make entire documentaries about specific players. GP2 is one of those guys, and his story would be incredible. Yeah, and no, I agree. And I, I think add that to his lore you need to put in there when he dunked on Kelly Oubre um, because oh. it just, it was like, Oh man, the guy who didn't want to be here and we lost that we kind of wanted to keep just got absolutely embarrassed by our 15th roster spot video guy. And it just kind of cemented. It was like, okay, that was the right choice. Like welcome to the squad GP um, our young glove. So I think he's there. Honorable mention. Um, I think that, Wiggins probably I think KD is another honorable mention that's a yeah. good call but I think Wiggins probably gets a shout out too um to go from first round potential bust not ever living up to the hype he doesn't care enough um to all the things that Jimmy Butler insinuated with his time with him on the Wolves mm. to being our top defender to Clay calling it out and saying you made my job easier and to taking his role and being like, well, if I'm not going to score, then let me go rebound and get career highs in those areas too. Um, it's just amazing. And I think it, it, it not only will earn him a big payday, but it will improve his legacy and make him be viewed a lot more favorably um, throughout the rest of his career. I got to stop fucking going last. Maxime <laughs> stole my Kent Bazemore answer, and now you've stolen my Wiggins answer. And so, I mean, you know, this this isn't um, breaking news, but of course it's Wiggins. You know, he was the poster child for underachievement. He was the thing that people pointed to of guys who got major contracts that they should not have. You know, and, and he took all of that on the chin, didn't say anything about it, and then slowly and immediately changed his relationship with the fan base of every NBA team and the Warriors. He is the difference maker. He was the second best player during the finals. He's as much of a reason that the Warriors won this title as Steph fucking Curry was. So, you know, can anybody look at him the same way? No, of course they can't. And he even came out of his shell a little bit. You guys see the back and forth with he and Jordan Poole in the locker room last night where they're smiling and loving each other and saying, where are you going, Spain? Uh, and they take turns. Uh, Wiggins points to JP, you're going to get a bag. And JP points back to Wiggins, no, you're going to get a bag. And then they say it in tandem like a Sesame Street yeah. uh, video. We're both going to get a bag. You know, like that's <laughs> that's what's up. And he a hundred hundred percent deserves it. And the idea that we can identify these specific individualized stories while still celebrating a team that could not be closer, you know, that each one of these individual successes didn't make anyone else jealous, didn't make anyone else enjoy their own experience any less is so fucking uncommon, which leads to something that I was going to say towards the end, but let me say it now. Enjoy this Warriors fans in Joys this. There's there's a danger when you're on this side of it where you start feeling entitled, you know, that this thing was supposed to happen. Not only are we not entitled to these victories, most fan bases don't get to come close to a team like this. So whatever it is that allows you to enjoy it, rewatch the game, celebrate in the street, shithouse a Boston fan, whatever it is for you that makes you feel good, do that and do it for the next few months because you've earned it. The Warriors have given it to us. 
And we, we all owe it to both the franchise and ourselves to do everything you can to accept and enjoy this gift. There's just no question about it. Ah, here's our next one. Another one I'm fired up for. Quote, the post-game celebration was almost as satisfying as the championship win itself. What quotes stuck out to you, gentlemen, and which ones did you enjoy the most? So, MT, this one we've turned over to you. I know you've gone through a lot of the sound post-game. Are there any quotes that stuck out? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot to choose from. Um, so th that's great. It was a hard problem and a good problem to have. So um, apologies if there are some other ones that people like more, but uh, we'll just call out three right now. The first one, uh, Steph in the locker room saying, what are they going to say now? What are they going to say now? love this quote. I love the video of it. If you get an opportunity, watch it because you can see the emotion on his face. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me about all of their quotes, but certainly this one, is the Warriors have been listening. You know, I mean, we, we have all kind of talked about the disrespect that was out there. Uh, Marcus, you uh, put words to it and said that it really bothered you that the national media wasn't giving Steph and this team their due. Turns out you weren't alone, man. Turns out Steph was listening. Draymond was listening. All of them were listening. And instead of coming out and having some public fight or pointing out what they had already done to show that it was wrong, they just focused on what they could do to shut everybody up. And then, even then, even when they were right, they saved that celebration for themselves. That wasn't up on the podium. They, said, they, they screamed that while spraying champagne all over one another. Also, the other thing that sticks out to me, in this video, Steph is holding what I can only describe as like a chalice. I mean, it, yes. it looks, like, looks like one of the cups that wasn't yes. picked in the, uh, in the last crusade. You know, it's like this like giant gold fucking chalice, which at some point in my life, I hope to accomplish something that's important enough that allows me to drink from a chalice because I think that is now the definition of success. What do you guys like about that quote? The chalice, man. I feel like, can we get some like Warriors Huddle merch in a, on a chalice? You know, Let's go. those options. That'd be sick. Can it say fuck KD on the front? I'm just joking about that. Don't worry. No more KD slid. I don't know why you keep bringing that up, Maxine. Just let it go. Dude. Who cares about Durant? I also love, I, I think in that, uh, in that video, you see, you know, I think he either just gotten sprayed by champagne or is currently getting sprayed by champagne. And I love everybody walking around with the cigars that are clearly so champagne smoked that they're never going to be able to smoke them. That just really tickles me. <laughs> Have you guys ever sprayed champagne anywhere? No. Yeah. Uh, the closest I got, and I wish it was for a Warriors one, um, but when the Giants won their first title, I was watching in a bar in the city. And afterwards, everybody spilled out on a Polk Street. And there was a, they literally shut down the street. Everyone was out there. And it wasn't me or anyone in my group, but somebody we ran into had bought 40s, not champagne, and shook up the 40s and was spraying it all over people. And two things I remember from that. One, as it was happening, I've never felt cooler. Like, I've never, like, like dancing in the malt liquor. And it was like, oh, this is fantastic. And then about 30 minutes from there, realizing it was a gigantic mistake. And everybody on the BART train who I was around oh. all thought I was a homeless person who had somehow <laughs> snuck on there and decided to bathe in Mickey's. So. You know, I mean, I don't know if it's any different than 40 water and champagne, but I can tell you I had fun until I smelled homeless, which uh, <laughs> which is what it is. What other quotes did you pull up, Dave? Wait, you didn't have your golden chalice with you on that Bart ride? 
Uh, I did, but what was I going to like catch some of the 40? Like, I, I don't know. The only way I could have been in less class than like the, the, the Bart people as they were judging me is as they were judging me, I busted out my chalice and like, good news. I still have some of the 40 and just, like, <laughs> just drag it in their face. Oh, do you want some? Go Giants. <laughs> nice. Yeah, cool. Uh, second one. So we're going to pick one from uh, Clay this time. And Clay had a bunch, like we said. We know he's the quote machine. Um, but really like this one. <laughs> Cloud 109. Yeah, exactly. Cloud 109 and memory like an elephant. But I don't remember where we went to. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll call out this one uh, right here. And strength in numbers is alive and well. <laughs> I can't wait. There was this one player on the Grizzlies who tweeted strength in numbers after they beat us in the regular season, and it pissed me off so much. I can't wait to retweet that thing. Freaking bum. That. I had to watch that. I'm just like, this freaking cloud. Okay. 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 Sorry. That memory just popped up. You're going to mock us? Like, you ain't ever been there before, bro. We've been there. We know what it takes. So to be here again, hold that. Love it. Love it. Let's go. <laughs> Would you love Why, MT? Why that one stick out to you? Because it's, you can just see Clay reading that and just it's stewing and it just being something that just drives him and he's so upset like strength in numbers is something that is earned and he felt that way and memphis was already talking about dylan brooks you know had a quote and it was like oh man we're a dynasty and steph was like dynasty like you guys haven't even made it to the finals yet let alone won anything you know and jaron jackson jr is over there talking about strength in numbers and you know they're just uh you know like mocking one of the greatest title runs and teams ever to step on the floor. So the fact that they gave that to Clay um, and that he held on to it and remembered it and recalled it and just said, that's right. This is something that I use to fuel me too. So hold that to me is just, I love it. I love it. <clears throat> I love how genuine he is too. You know, like I, I've already admitted to you guys, if I would have had a list of fuck yous ready, things I had like sat down and wrote and then read it out to it, Clay, everything about him just seems genuine. Things tend to spill out of him, you know, and it felt like that just spilled out of him the same way the phrase holy cannoli did uh, as we heard it on live TV. Have you boys seen, I don't remember her name and I'm definitely not going to look it up, but someone who covers the Grizzlies saw that. And then they tweeted out and said, living rent-free uh, in their heads, basically taking credit for that. Does that bother you guys at all? Because it definitely bothered me. There's a, there's, I'm going to pull up this quote, little behind enemy line segment. Um, I, this, that exact quote was posted in the Memphis Grizzlies subreddit. And uh, one of the comments, this guy, Jay Shotwell 23 shout out Jay Shotwell 23 welcome to the pod. You just want to chip and trip is on your mind? We'll see y'all next year at full strength. I feel like they know they caught a break against us. The fans know it too. That's why they're always on our nuts. We don't think about Golden State at all. Okay, let's, okay hold on a minute. You're commenting on a post about us just winning the championship. You're telling me you don't think about Golden State at all? Did you just not? Did you just black out for the entire postseason when we beat you and then continued to play? Because I feel like if you're a basketball fan, you're probably thinking about Golden State because we're in the fucking finals. Just the whole thing is just like living rent free. Get the fuck out of here. Okay. I mean, to be fair, do you guys remember that time Memphis won that one thing? You know, that one thing that they won and then got up on the championship uh, podium and started giving out shots to everyone to shithouse them on the way up? No, me neither because Memphis has never won shit. They have never won anything. They want to play in game. Let's go ahead and settle down. And there's a giant difference between coming back and pointing out 
that you've righted a wrong than there is of like having somebody continue to be in your mind. If, for example, you're on a bullshit loser post board texting out, oh, we probably should have won if we were healthy, that means we're living in your mind. Pointing out that somebody disrespected you and you are now on top of the world and they can no longer touch you, that's actually just vindication. There's a <laughs> difference between the two. So I don't even remember that guy's name anymore, but I know it was at Shotwell. Fuck it. I don't know. Who knows? Whatever the fuck your name is, I hate you and you. You are now a part of my FU list for next year's championship. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. And the final quote that we have um, comes courtesy of Draymond. He also had a bunch of great ones. He did his podcast right after um, on the media table. So uh, a lot of people came through and slid through. But one of the ones that uh, stood out to me and I think to a lot of people was um, him talking about the media. If you know the game of basketball, basketball will give you enough to talk about. The problem is all of these people talking about basketball that don't know basketball. And so what do you do? You chase controversy. The new media, we don't do that. That's why you see J.J. Reddick flourishing. That's why you see C.J. McCollum flourishing. That's why you see me flourishing. So we don't do that. We simply talk the game that we know and embrace it and teach. That's what these spots are about. How do you teach the game? How do you teach the fans the game? These people that think they know the game of basketball but don't really know. How does J.J. Reddick go up there and teach the game? That's the new media. You got fools like Kendra Perkins come dressing like a clown. Come up here in a, a jail suit and then you lead the game early tonight. Stand on your word, brother. You got to stand on that. It's one thing's for certain. I'm going to stand on my full-time champ. I'm out. <laughs> uh, oh, man, it feels good to be champions again. Um, all right, so there's a million things I like about that quote. Uh, and before I even get to the words he used, let me focus first on the vocal inflection and his, uh, his facial expressions and pull this up if you haven't had a chance to watch it. But the pace with which he was speaking, and the mm. confidence, the look on his face, that comes from only one thing, being right. That's it. You, you know, he, he wasn't in a rush. He didn't even have to be angry. He knew he was right about what he was saying and had earned the pulpit to tell that to all the people he was now proving wrong. So I, Draymond, we've said a million times, has an insanely bright future in sports media. But this ability to win both pompously, but purposefully. I just loved, I, I absolutely loved his entire approach to this post game. Um, and those specific shots at Kendrick Perkins, and he took a couple shots at Nick Wright too, were just so satisfying and justified for me. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think what's, what's poignant about that take too, and I agree, it was, it was, um, very genuine in the way he was saying it was just like, like you said, the confidence of it um, was ringing very loud. But I like to look at that comment and actually push it out towards some of the players and fans too, um, like Jay Shotwell, like uh, uh, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, John Morant, um, some of these you know players who haven't been there before. When we gave it to Dallas Mavericks and Luca. Um, Luca, you know, I wanted to hate him more than I could. 
when he would get up on the podium after and be like, yeah, I saw that dunk, Andrew Wiggins, like, whoo, like, I wish I had bunnies like that. Like those kind of reactions to it. Whereas, you know, Memphis would have been like, oh man, that was an offensive foul on Wiggins. They just missed the call. Like, you know, not being humble and not being in the moment to say like, I'm trying to learn and be better and our time is coming. This is what we have to go through to get there. We went through that. We went through, a you know, a series where we probably should have beat the Spurs if, if it weren't for that Tony Parker sure. three-point bank shot, you know, that gives them the 2-1 series lead instead of us. Like the whole momentum shifted and a lot of people talked about how, you know what, you guys were probably the better team. But we didn't call that out like that. We stayed, you know, humble and we, you know, had fun from there in terms of growing as a team and learning how to win. And I think that's what's missing. And I think that's what Draymond is calling out is that if there was more of that in there, the new media is also the new player is is the opposite of that is it needs to be, you know, less talking and more listening of how to become a champion and how to win that way, because you know, like it was it was super satisfying to me when we beat Memphis, not because we got to keep going, but because we didn't reward their cocky behavior when they didn't earn that yes. cocky behavior yet. Sure. I mean, how satisfying was Draymond's focused calm last night during the game? You know, I mean, he, he had spent five games whipping everyone into an absolute frenzy. And then it's almost as if he, he enters in there and just feeds off their anger, feeds off their emotion, feeds off the frenzy that he had created. But instead of being out of control or anything but directed, he was absolutely locked in and never, not once, lost composure. Not, not even close to losing composure as that thing went on. You know, and, and to add an exclamation point or a cherry on top of what you were saying, MT, that's earned that's something that he has developed after years and years of you know, ascending through the playoffs, getting to that highest stage, and then learning how to harness all of that crap. You can't shortcut this stuff. You cannot, and the Warriors did not, and here we are, top of the mountain yet again. Exactly, and uh, I think that was evident in that Al Horford three-point play where he – um, got an and one against Jordan Poole and then flexed. And if you watch that replay back, Draymond is looking at him and just genuinely laughing. He was like, dude, you're like, you're definitely going to lose this game. Like, I don't, you guys, yeah, you knocked it down to eight, but he was, he was laughing. It was so funny the way he looked at him. Like, you're not winning this game. Like, but you could just tell he was like, oh, that's right. You've never been here before, Al Horford. Like, you don't know what's about to happen. So, you know, it was just funny. It was the most composed laugh I've ever seen. <laughs> Is it weird that I came to hate Al Horford's gentle eyebrows? Like, I, I, I mean, I like well, even just like I, everything about that team. I, I've got notes in here that I wasn't going to read, but I'll read it now. The first notes, I, I, at the risk of bringing everybody behind the curtain here, one of the things I do as we're watching games is I'll just make little notes so that we can talk about them here. The first note on my page right now is I hate this Boston team and franchise so much. I want their fans to watch us win on their floor. Next thing down is I don't like Horford's eyebrows. So I don't even know. I don't even remember why I said that, but I don't. I don't like his eyebrows, and I'm glad that they had to watch us win on their floor. 
He and his eyebrows had to watch. <laughs> too bad. Too bad for you, stupid eyebrow, Horford. Uh, did. did you guys also see, just as far as pettiness goes, um, you see Lacob and Goober were both, or Goober were both uh, interviewed afterwards. And Peter came out and said, because they, they were both owners for Boston before they came here. You kind of forget about that. Mm. And it's a storyline we haven't gone through. And Goober went out of his way to say how great it was to win on the parquet floor of Boston and then did his like Boston accent thing. Oh, um, yeah. It, it was it was satisfying. It was also a little bit douchey. Goober always comes off as kind of douchey, but that's fine. No, he won a title. He, as long as Horford and his eyebrows were watching, I was on board. Actually, you know what? I think it's his eyelashes, not eye. Whatever. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, this is sort of a, a bit of a conversational whiplash, but Marcus reminded me of it, you know, just in terms of uh, what it takes to win. I think, you know, I, I had a tremendous amount of respect for Luca coming onto the podium after they lost and saying, hey, like, wow, you know, that, that's an incredible team, right? And and I'm sure he's going to come back a much better player as a result of it next year. This is going to cause him to think, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for him as a basketball player because, you know, he just gets better. And I think the same is true. I just wanted to shout out, I think Jalen Brown was phenomenal. And yes, I'm a little bit biased because I watched him play at Cal, but it was so fun to watch him step out of his shadow. And as the pressure mounted, he mounted too, unlike Tatum, who just completely collapsed. And also, I just, Robert Williams is now one of my favorite players. I feel like he, he played clean and played hard and was just everywhere and um, you know, he's the type of dude that I would want on my squad. So, you know, I, I don't think, I mean, we should keep on doing our victory lap. I don't need to go on for days about the Celtics, but I really did enjoy watching this team. It was a really terrifying uh, experience because there was a lot of times that I thought they might win it all. Um, but man, they are so good. Just so, so just some props there. You're saying that like we forgot that you're a Boston Celtic fan. We've we forgotten whoa, about what happened whoa. a couple episodes ago, Maxine. <laughs> you to remind us on all of that stuff. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're going to see a lot of Luca since the Mavericks just acquired Christian Wood for a pair of shoelaces and like a used piece of gum. Uh, <laughs> I, I think like, yeah, they'll definitely be back, but that's a conversation for the off season. Um, but it is a good transition for this. Here's our last question. And the one I'm probably most excited for. I'll paraphrase it. Boys, will the Warriors be better next year? Yes. Yes. Come on. I, I don't think people understand. Clay Thompson did not play basketball for 941 days. I could not find the list of people, but I bet you it's not long of people that have come back at all from an Achilles and an ACL on top of it in back-to-back seasons. And I believe that list is zero of people that have won a title since then. And we know based on how he was playing, it felt forced the entire time. It, I, there were moments where I was really nervous about his shot selection on the court during the finals. He will be better. He is not a hundred percent yet meanwhile Steph is continuing to get stronger he's the type of dude who will age gracefully he's small enough that he's not going to have weird injuries as he gets older like some of the bigger guys tend to do meanwhile we have Kavon Looney really solid I really hope we can re-sign Wiggins he's still very young we got James Wiseman in the wings that will at least be um, a a valuable addition to the team if not potentially an all-star at some point in his career there's just so much to get excited about I didn't even mention Jonathan Kaminga there's everywhere you look this is a squad that is fantastic we have a we have a coach and steve kerr that like we just said is probably top five we have a front office executive that knows exactly what he's doing and knows how to make moves and we have an ownership group that is doing everything they can to get more titles than boston has had um that kind of quote from lake it just makes me feel like we have the complete package we are just getting started welcome back to the warriors invitational
Let's go. And that's coming from a Celtic fan. So you know we're going to be all good. Are we going to get better? Dude, of course we are. What's the one criticism? What's the one criticism that they were able to throw the Warriors way? And the main reason why people kept saying things like Boston had an 80%, 80% chance of beating the Warriors in the final. Well, that the Warriors weren't young or athletic enough. Guess what, boys and girls? You know what they're going to get next year? Younger and more motherfucking athletic. Kuminga is a rising star. Will be joining the roster next year on a much larger basis. Moody, rising star, will be joining the core on a much larger basis. When we talk about Robert Williams, what does he um, embody for the Celtics? Why was he so valuable? He was a giant athletic body who could block anything from anywhere and was a dunk threat at all spots. You know who else I just described? James Wiseman. There's a reason he went number two, and it wasn't just those intangibles I just told you. They think he's going to be capable of a lot more, but even if it's just those things, even if it's just that, he's going to come and improve this Warriors team. But let me put it a different way. The Warriors will be the defending champions come July. You know what else they'll also have? The best fucking summer league team. You know when that happens? Never! That that, that doesn't happen. You're not allowed to do those two things at the same time. If you are the defending chance, generally speaking, you have a bunch of asshats in the summer league because you're not developing anybody. You're already there. The Warriors will have Kaminga, Wiseman, and Moody on that team and then add whoever the hell it is that they, they fold in during the draft. So will the Warriors be better? I don't even think the answer is just yes. It's a demonstrative yes. And guess who agrees with us? Las Vegas. If you look up right now the title odds for next season, guess who sits at the top? Your Golden State Warriors at plus 550. So if you bet 100, you're only winning 500 back. That's insanity. That's bananas. So yes, they will be better. And I'm here for it. We've got the the future is as bright as the past. And we're talking about six finals in eight years. Uh, Marcus, am I being hyperbolic or just accurate? Uh, hyperbolic. I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'm on the pod. Wrong. That was a trick question. <laughs> Fuck you, Marcus. <laughs> on the pod for a reason. But I think uh, if we will be better than this team is all dependent on our offseason. It's imperative that we re-sign Gary Payton II. I think it's imperative that we re-sign Otto Porter. Um, I think it's important we bring back Bielitsa or somebody like him. And I think it's important that we refill the coaches that we're losing. The fact that we lost two coaches to be head coaches in other teams, I think it can't be glossed over. That doesn't, sometimes they shift and they go to be a bigger assistant coach somewhere, but we lost two assistant coaches to be the head coach of two different teams. So um, Kenny Atkinson and Mike Brown are both, strong basketball minds they were great for the culture kenny atkinson was out for a little while it coincided with our slide he comes back and we start playing well i think he probably had a part of that so um i think what we do in the off season i'm hoping that once this all settles down that steph clay draymond um andre they all get together and they work with bob myers and say okay what's the cap situation how do we keep people like they did before do I need to restructure something? What can we do so that we can keep the core people together um, and keep this going? If if that happens, then I think it's as bright. If not, then I'm worried because 
the West is strong, man, with Kawhi and Paul George coming back healthy. You have Luka with, like you said, Christian Wood. Uh, Phoenix is probably still going to be around. Memphis isn't going anywhere. It's going to be a challenge in there. So we need our strength in numbers. We can't do it if we have uh, our core starting five. And then we, you know, lean on the Damian Lees to carry us when throughout the slug of the season. You've convinced me. You've convinced me that you're stupid and wrong. There's absolutely <laughs> everything you just said. I almost just tuned out on what Kenny Atkinson is the reason we're going backwards. Mike Brown, the only time we saw him in a head coaching job, lost by a thousand and three. We we joked that Sacramento fired him before he even got on the team plane. But you did remind me of another reason why I think the Warriors are better. Because you know what else they became last night? Free agency destination number one. The, the all of those free agents, all of those veterans who are ring chasing. They're no longer looking at the Lakers. They're no longer looking at Miami. They're no longer looking at Milwaukee. There's one place they'd like to play. It's right here. So if for whatever reason, we're not able to re-sign those guys, we will be. If there's any reason why Mike Brown's departure or Kenny Atkinson puts us in a hole, it won't. I think we will make that up, both with internal development and then whoever the hell it is we want to add. We're the bell of the ball. We get to, this is like Cinderella. We get to walk around and see who the shoe fits because everybody is going to be desperate to open that door and put their foot in our slipper. So I, I am excited to see where this goes. Um, and I don't mind saying, fuck you, Marcus. You're hell of wrong about this. And I can't believe what you just dropped. <laughs> so if, if, if we don't sign GP2, or Otto Porter or Bielitsa, and we resign and we add Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge and Patty Mills. You think we're a better oh, team? God. No, no, no. And thank God you're not our GM because if that was our <laughs> ultimate plan, we'd be screwed. No, I do not think that'll Those happen. Are the of the chaser. three names you just gave us, the the one indispensable person who I would be worried about is GP two. Um, but I would I, after this run and what we've learned about him. So. If GP2 was in the portion of his career that Jordan Poole was, I think we'd lose him. Um, I, I don't, you know, Poole's going to stay because they're going to shower him with money. They can't shower GP2 with money. So it really comes down to like, what does he want? GP2 is 12 years in. He has been, he's been cast off by franchise after franchise after franchise. And, you know, what happens here? He, he not only finds a home but he finds a championship home. And I think there's a great chance that he's going to want to, it's not going to be the money. It's going to be, he wants to be a part of this culture for as long as he possibly can be. Um, but we've got months. We've got months to see how this free agency thing plays out. Um, and, or put differently, we have months to see just how stupid and wrong you were, MT, so we can all follow along together. Let's add Looney to that list too. We got to keep him MVP of the league. Oof. Yeah, great. Well, we've got, I mean, look, there's, there's a lot of not so super fun decisions. Wiggins Ascension is going to put a lot of real interesting questions on here. Um, and I mean, I was just having a conversation this morning about, you know what? I'm not even going to go to questions. Today's a day of celebration. There's no need to worry about the future. I think there's every reason to believe that future is going to be brighter than what we've already gone through. But for right now, let me just offer a congratulations Congratulations, boys. Congratulations, Dub Nation. Congratulations, Steph Curry. Congratulations to all of us. We did it. Here we are. We did it. They, they, <laughs> nobody gave us a shot to open this thing up. Nobody gave us a shot in the preseason. Nobody gave us a shot after they started 20-2. and two. Nobody thought we could do anything when we hit the uh, All-Star break. Nobody thought we'd be able to make it when we drew the, the first-round matchup. Nobody thought we'd be able to do this. And here we are. 
So congratulations, four-time world champions. Let's go. Yeah. Bram, you always uh, add in a moment where you ask the fans in Dub Nation to appreciate this moment. And I just want to echo it. You, you always are the one to do it, but I think it's important that we say it too and um, that we do it. Like this this is not usual. This is very uncommon. It's We're lucky that we are able to be part of a fan base that has enjoyed this much success for as long as we have. So the moments where basketball matters again, where we're winning, where we're watching players who will have a legacy that is, you know, defining for years to come. Like Steph Curry will be one of the greatest players to ever play and we're getting to watch him in his prime. So for us, these are our Michael Jordan years for all those fans in Chicago. So enjoy it. Enjoy it. Please listen to Bram. Please um, take a moment just to relax and enjoy the moment. We'll talk about what's in the future and where we go and how great we'll be and how much Marcus was correct that it's dependent on the offseason uh, later. But uh, Which Marcus? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's important, you know, like enjoy the moment because, um, you know, two years ago, we we didn't have this last year we didn't have this and now that we do again it 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 matters that you stop for a second and say wow and enjoy it because you know who knows if we get to do it again there's a word for this history that's what we're watching there's not there's no more questions about that this is history you know fast forward 25 years they're going to be talking about this they're going to be talking about this group of people they're going to be talking about steph's reascension to be here people don't just get to watch history that doesn't happen you know think about the history classes you've taken how many of those events did you actually see in person probably none of them so you know don't take this lightly soak it in um because it may never happen again and the fact that we've already had the opportunity to enjoy this is just incredible any parting shots from you maxine before we uh we go off to celebrate into the night I, if anything, I feel like we did not give justice to what is quite the, obviously the center of the whole story, the lead of the whole thing. Look, Stephen Curry won a finals MVP. All questions about his legacy have been put to rest. And I just, I'm, I'm so proud of him. I think the way that he was represented on this podcast is the way that he's represented on this team. He's so core to everything that happens on the Golden State Warriors that he almost becomes an afterthought. It's why he wasn't given the finals MVP in 2015. It's why people are still sort of scratching their heads and you see people with the periphery saying, oh, maybe it should have gone to Wiggins or whatever. It's because Steph is so fantastic as a team player. He deserves all of the accolades. He deserves all of this. I can't wait to see him be the first statue outside of Chase Center. He made me cry because he, like, he just made grown human beings all over the planet cry last night. Ugly cry. I ugly cried watching that happen. I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of this whole team for standing up for him and uh, and getting him this ring and getting him that Finals MVP. What a legend! What an absolute legend. Is it weird that I'm jealous that you cried? I like. I really wanted to have cried when when he started crying. I looked over at Erica, and well, first I already told you guys I screamed at her because I thought she was celebrating too early. But then <laughs> after I stopped being psychotic, I started getting really jealous that she was crying. I even tried to manufacture a cry, but it didn't happen. Like I like. I tried to think of sad things, and like it wasn't. I wasn't able to get it going. So like I, I, I could. I'd, I'd start crying now to like really get that credit. But uh, no, what you just said about Steph cannot be echoed enough. Look, he's he's the most talented human being I've ever watched do anything. I mean, I don't, I don't think I've, what Steph can do on a basketball court, I've never watched somebody else reach that level of excellence in anything ever at any point. 
And the chances of me running into somebody like that um, are very small. The closest I got was how incompetent Marcus was while talking about the Warriors' future. But like beyond that, no, it's I mean, then it's a it's a different thing. You know, it's incompetence. So no, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. You're right. I think when if you need to go to that place where you need to cry, just think about your free throw at Chase Center. It always gets me. Oh, it work. I've tried. I've tried multiple times. It just makes my arms hurt. <laughs> <laughs> the airball always makes me cry laughing, but it, it's tears. It's tears. You know what I think of? All the times I dominated you on the wiffle ball court. <laughs> that, that, but that's, it's a different thing. It's like, it's a, it's a slow tear. And what's incredible is how badly, like I literally had completely forgotten about that. And then secretly you've been sitting there thinking about it for like four or five years and you brought it back up on the podcast, which is so satisfying because I hadn't even, hadn't even relived it. I'm just so used to dominating you in an athletic setting <laughs> that it just disappeared, uh, you know, amongst all the other things that went down. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the, me and Chase Center's rims will always have a nasty relationship, and you and my bat will always have to face what happened. I mean, it just is what it is. We need to do that free throw contest during the offseason, and let's invite Vontae in, in there. After seeing his uh, form CJ, on, on TV, know, we need to get him in. Yeah, know that I've been practicing. Know that I've been practicing, and I guarantee an 8 out of 10 at least. Okay. That's it. I mean, just remember I said that, and we'll, we'll see ultimately where it goes. We'll include you too, obviously, Maxine. With that in mind, before we go too far into the deep end on shit housing, when another congratulations again to everybody. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any kind of a job. You can shoot us an email at. No, no, we didn't do a bad job. Come on, man. We just won the title. I don't want to hear anything about no bad jobs. All right. <laughs> Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. It's keep your takes to yourself at gmail.com. Our social media presence remains on Twitter. That's at Warriors Huddle. Um, we will continue to record here through the offseason, but probably at less of a clip since we've been going uh, pretty frequently. Um, but with that in mind, you know what? Let me also say thank you to anyone who's given us some of your time. This has been a long season. Um, we know how valuable your time is, how you spend your days. It's not lost on us that you'd lend some of it to us. So thank you. Seriously, thank you. And with that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, see you real soon. Good, good.